It's an established scientific law. What goes up must come down. The way things are going, we might have to rename it as Norwich's Law. This weekend, the tumbling Canaries face a ginormous game against their fellow strugglers, Leeds United. I'm Kevin Hatchard, and this is Football Only Better. Doctor is in his practice, ready to dispense the XG meds. Jake Oskathorpe joins me once again from Infogol. Jake Norwich, the 3.6 outsiders here at Carrow Road. I know they lost Emmy Buendia in the summer. Despite some interesting signings, it appears that once again their squad just isn't up to the challenge of competing at this level. They were atrocious against Chelsea in that 7-0 defeat. And... You guys know I cover a lot of Bundesliga football, watched a lot of Josh Sargent, not good enough as a striker at this level, watched a lot of Milot Rashica who went missing in Werder Bremen's relegation battle and he couldn't help them avoid the drop. They just don't look up to it, do they, Jake? Uh, they don't, no. And I think that there is a bit of a quality gap between them and they've almost got their own little league haven't they between the bottom three of the prem the top six of the championship where they're it's always just them. somewhere they're the in only there. team in that league <laughs> well you say that i mean west brom they 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 could well be in that league as well in the way in which they go up and down uh fulham over recent years as well have been in that sort of mini it's almost like a purgatory it's like not good enough to compete in the prem but too good for the championship so what how are brentford getting it right then i know it's early days and they might still go down but how's a team like brentford's getting it right whereas west brom norwich fulham they're all getting it wrong uh, i may be biased here but they're run by people who know a lot about analytics and xg so maybe that has given them a bit are you of angling an for a job again oscar <laughs> thought honestly well, he's always true, on the prowl you know they, 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 they've gone about it in a very smart manner um they they've you know that everything they do is analytically driven, um, and it, you know at Norwich. I, I don't know what their recruitment policy is. I don't know. You know, you can see it with Brentford. They're looking for diamonds in the rough. They're looking for players that are that people aren't think are worth anything. But when they plug them into a certain system, they're brilliant. And you know, Norwich it just seems to be a scattergun approach, or it has done anyway this season. With obviously losing your best player, Emi Buendia is going to be difficult to replace. But they haven't gone about it in a very good way, just sort of buying three or four or five attacking players and just hoping that one of them will turn out okay. Um, and yeah, I, I mean, the other question really is the coach, uh, Daniel Farker. I know he's obviously got two championship promotions under his belt, but at what point do you take a different approach to the new manager to try and kickstart something to keep you in this division? Because he's already had one crack at it. Um, I would imagine that he's probably not got too much long left in the in, in, in this job because of... Just the, the lack of improvement, you know, from they've not, it seems like they've not learned anything from last time they were in the Premier League. And, yeah. and it might be a case that they're actually happy as a club to be that way and, you know, to go up, earn the TV money, the you know, the big bucks for a year, come back down, consolidate, go back up again because they can afford to keep quite a lot of the squad together. That might be their business model. That might be something they're happy doing. Um, but it doesn't really make for great entertainment for the neutrals, having Norwich in the league every season and or every other season and then being the, the basic whipping boys. And, but it's not um, great for their fans either, is it, Jake? Because obviously they had great fun in the championship promotion seasons, but I mean, they're getting smacked every week. And 
I just wonder with Farker, I think he's a very good coach. I like him a lot. I've got a lot of time for Daniel Farker, but I just wonder. It's very hard, I guess, to have a very dominant possession team in one division and then you go into another division where you're not going to get the ball. And so suddenly your work without the ball is very, very important, whereas it wasn't that important in the championship. So to do that complete about turn tactically must be quite hard. Yeah, I think I think that's a really good point you've made there, Kev. It is, it is they're almost playing in a completely di- like an alien league now uh, in the sense that they're so used to being the the aggressors, they're the alpha males in the championship and they come up to the Premier League and every other team, bar probably two or three, will will try and dominate the ball and probably have better players to do that. So that does mean a, a massive shift in their tactical approach and it seems as though they haven't recruited for for that kind of uh, shift in in approach. It seems like they've recruited players to fit into their style of play, which they were playing in the championship. Which teams in this you know this division aren't letting them do, and ultimately that's led to them sitting bottom of the table with two points, two goals to the name. I think I did look back and. At this stage last season, Sheffield United had only one point. So they are doing better than Sheffield United did last season so far. Um, <laughs> well, that's something. <laughs> yeah, that's something for them to cling on to. And, um, but yeah, it, it, it's going to be tough and uh, it's going to be a long old season. But I guess for the fans, you know, I'm a Sheffield Wednesday fan, which, you know, we've not had many glory years. But the best seasons I can remember are the ones where you're actually winning a lot of matches regularly. So you forget all about the, the seasons where you get beat to hell week in and week out. Once you have one of those seasons where everything's going your way. And, um, you know, obviously at this stage, Norwich fans will be very depressed. They'll be unhappy. They'll not be liking what they're seeing. Um, but, you know, when they're in the championship, if they do, do rele- get relegated yet again, which is looking increasingly likely, You'd imagine that all of that will be forgotten maybe 10 games into next season. But yeah, up until now, it's not very good viewing. And I'd love to hear what Stinch's thoughts on Norwich because we haven't heard his, uh, his hit list rant yet. So... Well, we'll see. Betting expert and odds compiler Mark Stinchcom in the starting side again. Stinch is a difficult one for Norwich. They They just don't have the players and they haven't try to create that side that will be competitive at this level yeah I don't think it's necessarily their their fault I was actually having a look yesterday their financial records were published and it didn't make for very good reading so maybe it's understandable that they aren't able to replace Buendia or I mean even when they had Buendia they still had him to the back end of that Premier League season a couple of years ago when they were just as bad as they are now. So even if he had him, wouldn't necessarily made any difference. So I, I'm not sure they have the the resources necessarily to to go out and and find um, good value and and spend spend the money needed. And I think they've you know I think they've got a lot of maybe unfair flack from from outsiders that they are this this yo-yo club. But I think they are trying to make themselves sustainable. It's just the Premier League is very, very, very competitive. I, I think yeah. this this season there aren't many really bad teams. Um, I think w- other than other than Norwich themselves and potentially Burnley, I do think that last relegation place, possibly Watford, but outside of that, I, th- I think you know it's very it's a very very competitive league. So yeah, I, I don't think there's any reason to to go overboard on on Norwich. It's not as if they're yo-yo in between League One and League Two. Um, And you don't want them to bankrupt themselves, do you? Because actually, let's be fair, there have been clubs who have chased the dream and have got themselves into a right old mess. So for all they haven't been competitive this season, you have to kind of 
doff your cap a little bit, don't you? Because to resist that temptation to really go for it actually does take a bit of gumption. Yeah, I mean, I don't have an owner like at Fulham who's got bottomless pockets. And you mentioned the clubs, you look at the likes of Bolton, Bradford, Swindon. You know, they've all been in the Premier League and they're all fallen by the wayside. I mean, Leeds took an awful long time to get themselves back after their financial problems. Portsmouth are still a million miles away after they, you know, they went down that route as well. So I think Norwich, I think, you know, they're looking after the long-term interests of the club and, and the fans. So I don't think it should be too, too lamented. Having said that, I am, I am obviously opposing them this weekend. Um, I, I was trying to work out the, the best the best way to to go about it to be honest because obviously Leeds have got have got some players still missing and they're not firing on all cylinders um and they're chalked to even money favorites and it's kind of like that's a little bit short with with prob with maybe Bamford on the bench I'm not sure if he is if he is available he would necessarily start um so I, I would be holding back putting the trigger trigger on that so the, I'm just going to concentrate on the route I've gone down a couple of times this season on the podcast which is which is back Norwich not to score essentially um, they've only scored two in nine games both unsurprisingly from Team Pukki and one of which was a penalty so that means they've it's just one goal from open play and overall sort of tailing on to the back end of their previous stint in the, in the Premier League they've now failed to score in 16 of their last 19 games so I kind of feel as if you keep Pookie quiet I think you probably do well to keep Norwich quiet and obviously half of those games were with Buendia as well who um, I actually read this morning some people are questioning his Premier League ability um, having kind of not really sort of uh, lit up Villa Park uh, yet but in terms of Norwich as a sort of an offensive facet they're averaging the fewest shots per game in the league and by far the fewest shots on target per game with just 2.3. So the next worst is Crystal Palace with three. And to put that in sort of context, Liverpool the most in the league with 7.7. So you just see that big gulf. And then you remember the fact that not only is that big gulf, they've obviously got a lot worse players as well. Yeah. So, you know, their ability to find the corners or find find the parts of the goal that the goalkeeper is not in essentially you know there's just not there's just not as good at doing it and there's nothing against them it's just the fact that you know these other clubs have got more money to spend essentially well Tony Puki is not Mo Salah it's, it's that no, simple no, no. isn't it <laughs> no I mean and he's getting on a bit as well you know yeah picks picking up a few injuries here and there so yeah it's, un- it's very understandable um, and you already mentioned Josh Josh Sargent and and uh and Mashika that you know I haven't haven't brought to the fore what perhaps Norwich were hoping they could. I don't think they were expecting. I think it was a big ask, but yeah, they yeah. haven't been able to bring to the fore. I mean, that was kind of embarrassing uh, from Sargent when he went round uh, went round um, Robert Sanchez against Brighton. And I don't know why Shane Duffy slid. I mean, Shane Duffy could have walked back and collected the ball before. Ball, I don't think it was even it going in. instinch. So in case anybody hasn't seen it, um, Robert Sanchez, the Brighton goalkeeper, makes a horrendous mistake. Uh, the ball is loose. Sanchez isn't in his goal. Sargent wins the race, shows good pace, and then just taps the ball vaguely towards the goal. And it was very easily cleared by Brighton. And it just underlines what we said, Stinch, on several occasions about Sargent. Lovely lads, works hard, coach's dream in that regard. We'll listen to the tactics. We'll do some of the stuff without the ball. It's not a goal scorer. 
No, no. And we talk about a lot of like these statistics and that to try and paint a picture of what's happening. And I think uh, the thing is when, when you have these poor statistics, confidence plays a big part on them continuing. Even if you have, even if you have got like a, you know, a big team like Man United, for example, there is a point where the confidence sort of overtakes ability in some situations. And I really think Norwich are in a massive crisis of confidence. And, and I mentioned before, I think they don't have that backbone to, to get up and fight, essentially. They are, you know, they have just got a one-way ticket to, I would say, 20th, not even relegation. I think relegation is, you know, almost done. It's just whether or not they've, which, whether or not they can finish above bottom. And I think that's very difficult to, to say at the moment. Would you I mean, back them in a rock bottom market now then, Stinch, even this early in the season? I probably would, but I don't, to be honest with you, I don't think there's any, like, there's, I, I, I'm just having a look at the prices here uh, to finish bottom. I mean, the 8 to 11, that might, I'll come, I've got a bet later actually, and I'll tell you what, that might be worth chucking in with another bet, so I'll come to that afterwards if that's okay. I mean, yeah. they're, their shot locations for me is what also allows me a lot in terms of offensively. They're taking the fewest in the penalty area, which is obviously you know, not anything surprising, but they're having the eighth most from outside the box. So it just it doesn't take a genius to see that they, they just can't create chances. And then that confidence, I think, is taking its toll when defensive midfielders are taking pot shots and 25 and 30 yeah. yards when they're not even trying to develop a chance. So, I mean, Leeds have only kept one clean sheet all season, it must be said, um, albeit that was against another promoted team in Watford. But against Burnley, Newcastle, Southampton and Wolves, they only conceded one in each of those games. And the clean sheet here is, is, is the price. At the end of the day, everything comes down to price. And for me, this is the clincher. It's 3.1 or 21 to 10 for Leeds to get a clean sheet. And I think, you know, that should be a lot closer to even money. I definitely think it's a bit more of a coin toss than, than that. So... That price suggests it's only got a 33% chance of winning, but I definitely think it's more of a 50-50 bet. Jake nearly fell off the chair there. Uh, Jake, um, I want to ask you about Leeds' process because Leeds have a lot of players injured. We know that. The way Marcelo Bielsa operates is that it's all or nothing. And so if players either aren't fully fit or uh, are out completely, the system starts to break down. So it isn't a massive surprise, is it, that given the injuries they've had, given the fact that new signings need time to adapt, it's not a massive surprise they're struggling. Not really, no. And, and I think that the main reason they are struggling is, is something we've said previously on the podcast, is that their defensive process was poor last season. It's still the same level this season. So they haven't improved defensively. But what we have seen is a drop-off in attack. And like you said, that comes from injuries you know you think Bamford Rafinha's been out for a few games even Calvin Phillips has an impact on their attacking output because he is one of their key ball progressors when it comes yeah. to passing through the lines uh, Dan James coming in um, he's, you know learning a new system learning new tactics takes him a while to settle so there's a lot of those factors but ultimately they're not creating chances at the same rate they were last season last season they were around the 1.65 xg per game mark this season they're at 1.2 so there's been a stark drop-off and, you know, that drop-off is even, well, it's seen even more on the football pitch when their defence is performing at the same level because last season their attack was bailing them out. They were winning games, you know, high-scoring games quite regularly. This season they're still conceding quite a lot of goals but not creating at the same rate. And, you know, one stat that I was completely staggered about looking through was going back to the non-penalty big chances where 
Leeds are actually bottom of the table for non-penalty big chances created. They're actually worse than Norwich, which I, I, I was writing the preview up and it was, you know, Norwich propping up the table on every major metric. And then I had to double check because Leeds were actually bottom. They've only created two non-penalty big chances in nine matches this season, which is astonishing to me for a team that we do or we saw last season be so high octane in attack, so creative, so devastating at times. And it kind of shows you where they're at at the moment. They're a, a, a bit of a, a point where they are struggling. Injuries have played a part, like we've said, everything that the off-field issues. But, you know, they're ultimately, they're just not doing enough in attack to to cause a lot of problems for, for opposing teams. Whether that's the opposing teams have figured them out a little bit. Obviously, they've, they've played against Leeds now twice. Some teams have played against them three times. You, you can sort of, you know, you start to figure teams out a little bit and try and slow them down. And maybe we're seeing a bit of that as well. But um, yeah, that was quite alarming for me. And, um, you know, it, it, I spoke in the Saturday podcast about Leicester and their ratio in terms of non-punctly big chances conceded. When we look at Leeds's ratio in terms of creation, they've taken 125 non-penalty shots and only two of them have been with a, an XG of 0.35 or greater, which is... Yeah, that, so that that's, kind of that's ratio. more than a thirty-five percent chance of going in, effectively. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we're talking, like I said before, one-on-ones, shots from inside the six-yard box, maybe shots from inside ten yards, depending on how many defenders between the, the ball and the goal. Um, and yeah, just two percent of their overall chances we'd classify as a big chance, and that is hugely concerning for them moving forward. And it's something that they do have to rectify. And and while I like Stinch's bet of Leeds keep a clean sheet, I think that's an absolute cork. I'll be backing that myself just for a bit of extra security, combining what we've so- talked about with Norwich and their issues in attack and now Leeds and their issues in attack. The under 2.75 goal line um, looks to be set around 1.9, 1.95 on the exchange. That to me looks like a serious bet. Um, yeah, that basically means that if there's no one or two goals, we get a um, you know full payout, a full winner. Uh, if there's Three goals, we get half our stake back. So really surprised to see the goal line set so high. Um, maybe slight overreaction to Norwich's 7-0 thumping last week. Um, but Leeds aren't at the same level as Chelsea in attack. And it has to be said that on that occasion, Norwich were actually unfortunate to ship seven based on the chances created. But you get games like that in a season. And um, for me, reverting back to type with uh, a low scoring game, Looks the way to go. I mean, it's not so long ago Norwich drew nil-nil back-to-back matches, and and they wouldn't be surprised if that was the case again this game, given what we've seen with Leeds' attack. Now we know it's frustrating when you get frozen out of a bet, so Betfair is now offering no cash-out suspensions on match odds, over/under, and goal markets on the sportsbook, even during VAR reviews or when there's a penalty. West Ham continue to sparkle. They dumped Manchester City out of the League Cup in midweek, becoming the first team in. 10,000 years to beat City in that competition. Uh, They face Aston Villa in the Premier League this weekend. Uh, Jake, what's your take on this one? Um, Yeah, I'm riding with West Ham. I think that they're a really good bet at this price. Um, You're getting around 2.54 on the exchange currently. Really surprising to me. I thought they'd be a little bit shorter. Um, You know, it's not like they've you know, Manchester City, all right, you know, they, it was a Carabao Cup, went to penalties, but they rested some key players in that game that will be ready for this. I mean, Mikel Antonio, I don't know if he maybe got injured last week, but he wasn't in the squad at all. Um, and I think that's potentially due to him being rested because they've obviously got this match. Then they play away in Europe, so they want to keep him fresh for that. Um, and Aston Villa, wow, um, I've got some concerns about them. 
they're looking really, really poor at the back and in attack. So just going through some of the numbers, Villa, they've lost three in a row, rightly so. They've lost to Spurs, Wolves and Arsenal. So three teams that, you know, aren't bottom of the table worthy. They're not top six. You're looking at maybe top half at the very least, all three of them. Uh, and in those three games, they've conceded 1.9, 2.0 and 3.2 expected goals. So they are shipping chances left and right, even though they are playing a back five, which is even more of a worry. Um, you know, while defensively they are looking all over the joint, their attack is just not firing. It re- they're really struggling to get to create chances and that shows in their attacking XG process, just 1.05 non-penalty expected goals for per game, which is the fourth worst in the Premier League, which is a, you know, for, for a team with such quality attacking flair players, you know, you've got Bailey, you've got Ings, you've got Watkins, you've got Traore, just off the top of head, El Ghazi. It, they're really struggling to create chances for those players, which may be something to do with the system. The switch to the back five is maybe not giving them as much uh, license to get forward and play on the front foot. Um, but all in all, you've got a team struggling at both ends of the pitch, playing against one of the best teams in the Premier League. And, and that is ultimately what West Ham are. It may come as a surprise to many, but no, I'd agree David, with that. Moyes, I'd agree David with that. Moyes has got this team uh, into a position where they are performing week in, week out like a top four team. You know, and they're looking dangerous. They, they, we've, we spoke off air about the, the West Ham Spurs game, how dull it was. And it, yeah, it was dull, but... West Ham were in total control of that game from a defensive standpoint. I know they scored from a, a corner, but they looked very dangerous every time they went forward. And um, I don't know if someone forgot to water the pitch at half time, but it just looked so sticky, the ball. Every time Antonio was trying to run with it, getting stuck under his feet. Um, but yeah, they were excellent, especially in the second half. They created 0.85 XG. And as we've said on the previous pod, they, they limited Spurs to nothing, no shots at all. Um, and, you know, I think that's probably one of the most impressive things I've seen from West Ham in, in their transition, their improvement is is that their, their attacking numbers are increasing, so they're creating more chances per game. But that's actually coming with them looking a bit more solid defensively, which is usually if you play more on the front, front foot, you leave yourself exposed. But they seem to have, have, have found a really nice balance and, and that balance is getting better and better as games go by. And the improvement on last season is is... Remarkable. I mean, they were excellent last season and, and they're getting even better this season. So for me, if this was Manchester United playing at Villa Park, would they be 2.54? Probably not. They're probably around 2.3, maybe 2.2. West Ham are at that level, if not marginally better than Manchester United currently because of their defensive structure, the way in which they play, the system. So for them to be around 2.54 against a Villa team who I've said are struggling defensively and struggling in attack just looks too big for me. And I'd probably back this down to 2.3 because I do think West Ham are that good. It's Safer Gambling Week next week, which is a cross-industry initiative to promote safer gambling in the United Kingdom and Ireland. Here to tell us a bit more about it is Betfair's Sam Rosbottom. Sam, great to have you on the show. Just tell us a little bit about what safer gambling involves. Kev, always a pleasure. Good to see you, matey. Yes, so it is Safer Gambling Week. And, and look, Safer Gambling is it's all about power to the players it's always always about having control over how you play and it is all about the fairest way to play and and that's why a betfair not only do we celebrate safer gambling week but we um you know we celebrate the fairest way to play 365 days of the year and what's betfair doing to help customers in terms of tools to help them yeah so we've created um a number of safer gambling tools which put power into the players hands so that you've got that total control over over the play um 
these again this isn't just something that we do for one week these are available 365 days a year and they are super easy to access so um all you do is is head to your account and then you'll see the safer gambling tools option there if you just click that so literally two clicks and you're on the safer gambling tools page from there you can set a deposit limit where you can manage your daily weekly or monthly spending there's also a loss limit uh, that you can set where you you know you're giving yourself a safety net by by setting that limit on losses we have a budget calculator as we all know knowledge is power so insights on your spend really give you that full picture we've also got a reality check tool where you know if you do need a break you can set up timed reminders and uh, also there is a self-exclusion tool on there as well where you can um, set a, a longer period of time out uh, from the products that you're using and lots of information on our website betting.betfair.com as well if you look on the uh, front page there is a safer gambling section great to have you with us Sam uh, ahead of what is a very very important week safer gambling week uh, and that starts on Monday, November the 1st. To Spain now and Stinch, you've got an unglamorous but interesting match to look at. Yeah, Hatafe v Espanol on Sunday evening. Uh, 12 locking... cards and over. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was just, <clears throat> just going to say a lot of the games we've chatted about on Sunday evenings have been like Juve Inter or Marseille against PSG or you know games like that. So uh, you know, I've got, I've got, I've got you know, I've got to go full circle and get the get the unglamorous ones always, in. Always, always. Um, but yeah, uh, Tafe, I just I could, I when I looked, I just couldn't believe they've been chalked up as as favourites basically, and they're and they're quite short favourites, a bit similar to. Southampton at Watford, they're thirteen to ten at home to Espanol, and yeah, I just can't, I just can't believe they're they're that price against a, a sort of a mid-table La Liga side like Espanol. They actually opened up around eleven to ten, which again is just unbelievable. I'd probably just say it's a bit a bit of laziness or the the price you pay for automation uh, these days. But it's grim reading for, for Tafe. It's 10 games, zero wins, two draws, eight defeats, scored three, conceded 16. And I think it's beginning to take its toll on the pitch. I mean, you mentioned you mentioned cards there. Um, normally, it's just a flurry of yellows. But actually, on Monday night at home to Celta, they had two men sent off and temp- tempers were beginning to, to go overboard. And... It's not a surprise, really, because I think they're in massive, massive trouble. Um, I kind of alluded to it at the beginning of the season. The problem all started with, with Jose Bordelas yeah. leaving for, for pastures new at Valencia because he had them he had them massively punching above above their weight. So I think it was always going to be difficult for, for the new man to, to replicate. And the new man was Michel, and he only lasted uh, seven games. Um, and he's been sacked now, and it's been it's Kike Sanchez Flores who's in charge uh, for his third stint at Hatafe, uh, which tells you a little bit about his managerial credentials. Um, he hasn't had a job for two years since being sacked by, yes, you've guessed it, Watford, uh, where he lasted less than just three months. He must have been uh, a catalogue model in the meantime, though, Stitch. <laughs> he, he always has that, that air of a guy who should be advertising jumpers in a catalogue or something like that. He might need a new job soon, so let's put it that way. <laughs> uh, already. Um, but, over, I mean, last season I was betting on them uh, second half of the season to go down because you could just see their... It, basically, they, their results 
weren't justifying the performances they were putting in they're getting they were very fortunate and and now it's kind of coming home to roost basically they've won just two of the last 23 and i mentioned at the start of the season that keep an eye out on them to be relegated at five to one they're six points adrift of safety and rock bottom, but you can still get six to five on them to go down. Wow. So I think maybe going back to what we said before about Norwich finishing bottom at eight to 11, chuck those two in a double and you're getting nearly three to one against two teams that you want to oppose every week, but you won't always get paid every week. So I think this is the beauty of, of long-term bets. And this is something that, that is definitely would give you an interest in their games, especially if the market eventually catches up. You know, if the market eventually makes Hatafe always outsiders rather than favourites, if the market makes it so Norwich is priced to score, is a lot bigger, so them not to score uh, as a result goes shorter and you're like, well, it's a bit too short for me to bat this week. So for example, if say they were, I don't know, say they were six to five not to score this week and you thought, oh, I think that's about right. You've got Norwich to finish bottom, so you're kind of cheering on that bet already without having to part with money. So yeah, yeah, I think that's 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 quite a nice looking double, I would say. Um, but just back to this game. Um, so yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna take Espanol plus plus a quarter. I think it makes perfect sense around about 1.95. So half my money on Espanol to win and half my money on Espanol draw no bet. So it finishes in a draw, half the bet wins, and the only bet, the way the bet loses if, is if Atafe wins. I think Espanol have started the season fairly well. They're sitting 10th with just three defeats in 11, and two of those were against Atletico and Sevilla. It's not anything to be too sort of ashamed about. It is worth mentioning they're going to be without, without Raul de Thomas, who's their, their main scorer because he got sent off in the last match. But actually, I'm... Um, hoping that uh, Loren Moran will replace him and I'm quite a big fan of him he had a good season at Betis a couple of years ago yeah I think he's just kind of got a little bit stagnated a little bit because of you know there's a lot of a lot of good players at Betis and maybe he just struggled to replicate in a couple of games and then he's lost his way so he's got a loan move to Espanyol this season I think it's a perfect opportunity for him to make his mark but having said that Hatafe are without a lot of offensive players here they're going to be without Sandra Ramirez Jaime Mata Vitolo uh, Jakob Yankto so I think it's really difficult to see. I mean, they don't score goals anyway, but it's really difficult to see where they're going to even create goals, let alone score them. So yeah, oppose oppose Getafe. I think that's something you can do every week when they're favourites. Well, that's all we have time for on this episode of Football Only Better. Please do remember to gamble responsibly. Lots of information on our safer gambling section at betting.betfair.com. Lots of other shows for you to listen to as well. We've got NFL Only Better, Cricket Only Better, a couple of racing podcasts as well. Check us out on social at Betfair or at Betfair Racing. From Jake, from Stinch, from Sam and from me, it's goodbye for now.